listening to First Church Charlotte. Last week, there's been tremendous storms that have hit the central part of our nation. It started in Mississippi. Uh, One of the hardest hit towns in Mississippi is a place called Amory. We started here a nonprofit uh, as a part of the extended reach of the church uh, that we're simply calling We Help. And the goal of it was to connect all of us to um, an active ministry where we're not just sending money for someone else to do the work, you know, all for the perspiration, you know, but for us to be as close as possible. We partnered with a gentleman that we met through uh, the storm that struck Living Way. This is my wife's family's church um, in Lake Charles. Uh, they Their building was destroyed. Uh, they spent three weeks, utter destruction, no hot water, no drinking water, no electricity, um, and they still are in their gym today, and that's opened uh, that kind of opened our our eyes uh, and brought home this fact that all of us, uh, because we live in the South, are surrounded by friends and family members who are right on the path of storms, while we are kind of in a, a geographically protected pocket with Appalachians on one side and 200 miles of uh, Piedmont and lowlands to the east. So it's very, very rare, like maybe once in a generation, maybe less, for us to have the direct effects of a storm on us. So being, as it were, castled by our geography and by God's goodness, um, we were looking for something we could do. We partnered with Gunny. We immediately started resourcing him. His, uh, I, I call him Gunny. His name, his, his, not his name. He's Gunny Cole, and he's known all over the South for helping people in need. And he has done a stunning amount really with very little. He doesn't have an organization behind him. He showed up in Lake Charles with a trailer full of food when they had nothing. They had no running water. And he started cooking in the church parking lot, feeding people for free. He stayed until his food ran out. He went back home, reloaded up. He does not have a 501c3 behind him. He was doing this out of just his own money and anybody who would help him. He had no organization. He came back and come to find out as we got to know him, He's worked almost every major storm uh, in the last 20 years doing this. And uh, when we found out meeting him through Living Way uh, ourselves and also Living Way and some other churches, uh, kind of we're going to let him, because he has so much experience, be our field operations director. And we are going to organize ourselves where we can support him and we can resource him. And we can even eventually, sometime, hopefully this year, we can actually go ourselves and like an expedition show up with our own equipment where we can have uh, trailers with air conditioning and generators, hot water, and we can work with him in those communities for those churches um, for several days at a time. You'll have opportunities to do that. This, the first thing we did together was this week. And when the storm hit Mississippi uh, and the tornado touched down and dug a 170-mile trail of destruction through that part of America, um, Gunny uh, loaded up, spent his own money, loaded up another trailer, and started. And I called him, and he was driving on his way to go to Mississippi. And I was like, "Look, we 
we are with you. You will not show up and spend all your own money. We are with you. Uh, so this week, actually the first, he got to Mississippi. He was one of the very first people there. And the first responders were still clearing the houses. And for the first load of food that all of you, because you give to this church, you paid for him to go there and feed the first trailer load of food end up feeding almost as many first responders as the community people because they had showed up to clear houses and rescue and there was not even food from uh, the governments there. We fed them all that food, loaded up, came back home, uh, came back home, loaded up again, went back, did the same thing, second trip, uh, left, got, he got back, he's not far from us over in the uh, uh, Knoxville area, got back at 3 a.m. last night and is prepping for what's next. Now there's a, a cluster of storms in the area and we're actually trying to organize ourselves. I'm telling you this because um, this is a ministry that we can do, we can do it. We have the ability, uh, we have the resources, we have the skill set, uh, we can do this, we can, and we are already doing it, and we're already thousands of dollars into it, and I'm bringing it to you now, I'm going to show you a video, because if you want to be a part of this, we have already sent the money, and if if it comes out of something else, we're, we've already sent the money, I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of it, simply by any contribution, just mark it, we help, or mark it, storm recovery, I'm going to show you a video from uh, the area where we were serving food this week. It is not our video. We don't, we have our paperwork done. We don't have our website up yet. We're building our equipment. If any of you like to build equipment, you can help me with that. Um, I'm tired. <laughs> and you get the idea. Roll the video so you can see one of the communities. this street here a few houses down and I grew up over here where we're walking to. All of this was trailers, were houses. Uh, this was a store. This was the neighborhood laundromat. This is where people paid their bills. at the top of the tub and pull it down over my head so when it rained and the lightning went striking and five minutes later it was over and I realized then that I was still here and all I could hear was a bunch of hollering and screaming So the point of this is to just give you an idea of how we in days to come could help and support and take teams. But in the meantime, we already have uh, a director of our field who is already loading up and with his family, he's already going. And we have a lot to learn. True story. I have a lot to learn. We have to figure out how to warehouse. We have to figure out how to coordinate. We have to figure out how to get direct 
partnerships and directives from FEMA. We have, we have a lot to learn, um, but you don't learn anything on the couch. You have to get up and start failing your way forward. You just, you try and it's a mess and you try again. And if you don't get discouraged, eventually someone will say, man, I wish I knew how to do that. And you'll want to say, well, you should have been there when I was learning. So, <laughs> so we're not afraid to fail and we are going forward. I want you to be aware of it so you can be a part of it. Uh, and that's enough about that. Let's take a moment right now and thank the Lord for his goodness in our life all across the house. Lift your hands, lift your voices. Oh God, we magnify you for your blessing. We thank you for your goodness. We worship you. Speak into our hearts through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. This is Palm Sunday and this is a day of remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ entering into Jerusalem and being held as king, being exalted as king. And so my title uh, is Glorious Day because of all the moments of scripture, this is the closest you will see where the people receive Christ as who and what he is, and that is King Jesus. So let's let's talk about this a little bit here uh, together, and uh, I pray the Lord would awaken within us a passion, a passion uh, for his kingdom and his word and his calling. Um, the uniqueness of this day uh, cannot be uh, overestimated. Um, Jesus, as he stands before Jerusalem and they bring him a uh, donkey, the cult of a donkey that has never been ridden, um, this, this day is the closest thing to the children of Israel uh, accepting Christ as Messiah. The Bible says, and most of you could quote this, he came to his own, say it with me, but his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The church exists because you adopted us as sons of God. We who were once afar off, we who were once of this world bound by sin, we stand now in the adoption of your name. We've been baptized in your precious name and we bless you, Lord, today with everything that is within us and let the church say amen. This is the closest thing you will ever see to the house of Israel accepting Christ as Messiah. The very thing they did not do, he came to his own. The very thing they rejected, they would not receive him. The very failure of their spiritual insight, if you were to flip that into the opposite, and you were to say that this is as good as they ever did, as close as they ever got, you would stand right here on Palm Sunday and you would see the crowd waving palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Say it with me. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's say it one more time and let's raise our voices. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're so blessed in you, Lord Jesus. 
That word Hosanna, it can be translated, and rightly so, as pure praise, as exaltation of God. But to my surprise, I, I didn't know this. I recently uh, learned this. There's passages in Scripture where the root language um, is the same as the root language for Hosanna, but it's translated as save me or oh God, save me. Uh, this phrase can be pure praise or it can be a cry of redemptive need. Save me, O God. I praise you, O God. Save me, O God. I bless your name, O God. Save me, O God. In this phrase of pouring out as though our spirits are poured out before the Lord as a drink offering in this phrase is both the exaltation of God and the desperate need of the human condition. And so we stand with the house of Israel and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why is this moment so biblically, theologically, and prophetically unique? Um, he is more than practically entering Jerusalem where he will be offered as a lamb of God for sinners slain. He is doing more than announcing his intent. He's been announcing his intent for weeks, as any of you who have been a part of our Wednesday night Bible studies as we've read through Mark. He's been telling the disciples for chapters that he must go to Jerusalem, and there he would be persecuted by the chief priests and the elders. And there he would give his life as a ransom for many. They weren't excited about it. None of us want to die. We all want to rule. What we struggle with is that in this kingdom, the path to ruling is only found through dying. That's a different message. Uh, he, in this moment, however, is standing in prophetic eschatological fulfillment. He's standing, and notice the uniqueness through three and a half years of ministry, through chapter and verse, after apostolic witness and testimony. You see Jesus quick to slip away from the crowd. He will teach and teach and teach until he is empty of strength, and then what does he do? He slips away. Uh, you'll find him on the edge of a coastline trapped by the adoring or the greedy because the crowd is always both adoring and greedy. Uh, it wants, it desires, it wants, it desires. And what does he do? He boards a fishing vessel and he slips away. His disciples look for him early and late. And what has he done? He has slipped away. They've come to make a scene out of him and he has slipped away. They come to kill him and he has slipped away. And finally, 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 you see him kneeling beside the person who has received the greatest miracles. And he's saying, don't tell anybody. He's not seeking to fly his own banner. He's not seeking to exalt his own moment. He's not his own praise band. I'm going to bless you, but I'm not seeking the spotlight. I'm going to bless you, but I am wanting you to let it be the gift of God in your life for this moment. A time will come, I will be exalted. A time will come, I will be lifted between heaven and earth. But in the meantime, 
I want you to be quiet about what I have done. But now he's not asking anyone to be quiet. Now he's not slipping away. Now he's not looking for an excuse to, in some manner, sideline the spotlight that would be trained upon him. In this moment, it must happen. In this moment, the king must enter the city of God. And if you won't join the praise, that's okay. The stones will cry out in your stead. If you don't want to be a part of this moment, God's going to let it happen anyway. You see, the kingdom of God is so much about the potential of what if you would like to be a part of what God has already ordained. I'm going to say it to you guys. The kingdom of God oftentimes feels like this. The spirit's going to move. The wind's going to blow. The work's going to be done. Would you like to be a part of this? The portals of heaven will open. The blessing will fall like rain upon a barren land. Would you like to be a part of this? The announcement of the kingdom goes to whosoever will. Say it with me. Whosoever will. Would you guys like to be a part of this? In this moment... An apogee, a high point, a mountaintop, an Everest of prophetic intention is about to transpire. Would you like to be a part of this praise service? You don't have to be, but it's going to happen with or without you. I want to be a part of what you're doing, oh God. I speak for First Church. I want to be a part of what you're doing, oh God. I speak for my family. I speak for the pastoral team. We want to be a part of what you are doing, oh God. Don't pass me by, gentle Savior. Do not pass me by. This worship service is going to happen. Um, let me, let me talk practically here for a moment, and let me just talk about me first. Um, I would like you to think that I always exist at the high point of my spiritual potential. If you would all agree to be deceived by my religiosity, religiosity and begin to believe that I exist always at the uh, Linda Marlene Elms level of spirituality, where when I walk, the holy train just follows behind me, my feet don't don't touch the ground, and the angels all say, oh. um, but the reality is, if I tell you that, first of all, you ain't going to believe it. <laughs> you walked with me too long for that. Second of all, you know, and I know it's probably not a lie. I mean, it's probably a lie, so I made a lie even if I didn't tell one. Now, the reality of me goes like this. I, I, I have a range of potential within me. Watch this. Stay with me. You, need, you guys need to get this. I have within me a range of spiritual potential just like you. I exercise my will within this range of spiritual potential. Uh, let's call this guy over here, uh, Pastor Nate, with early prayer, with 
with Bible study, with living right, not fighting with his wife, not yelling at his kids. Over here is Holy Nate. I just like the sound of that. Maybe I should put that on. You don't like that? Uh, oh, Lord. Melix is saying no. Well, brother, if I ain't holy, what does that say about you? No, just having fun. Um, so this is Holy Nate over here. And over here, we're going to call this Carnal Nate because, well, <laughs> you've already met that sucker. And I, I exercise, watch, 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 watch. I exercise my will in any moment in this range of the worst of me and the best of me. And I become, I become the sum of my choices within this range of spiritual possibility. Uh, I wish I could just say it was me and you're always prayed through, um, but I have already met some of you and I know that's not the case. So I want to say it like this. All of us live within a range of spiritual potential in a range of spiritual becoming. Uh, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, the devil desires to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Peter, how are you going to choose in this range? Over here, you have hell trying to recruit you to the self-serve religious team. And over here, you have the potential of risking it all. Where are you going to fall out, Peter? How are you going to live? How are you going to, 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 to walk? I, I, I want you all to see that the philosophical term for your ability to choose is called sovereignty. You get to decide. Your mama wished you'd have done better, but you didn't. Why? Because you get to decide. Your daddy wished you'd have done better, but you didn't. Why? Because you get to decide. And you live out your life in this range of possibilities. Now, let me take you back to the text here. In this moment, children of Israel worshiping as Christ enters the city. This is the best moment they will ever arrive at in terms of accepting Christ as king. They will never do better than this. This is as good as it gets. What are they going to do after this moment? This is the best they've ever done. Well, right after this, they're going to kill the one they've worshiped because they are not one thing. Let me say it to all of us. None of us are one thing. All of us work this out within this range. And this is the high point of the house of Israel. What if they had, rather than rejecting him, accepted him? It, it goes against, I've spent the last two days trying to think about this question. What, and, and maybe you would ask yourself, what, 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 what would have been different if they had accepted Christ as king? Would it have changed the temple? Absolutely. Um, would it have changed the manner of their ordering of society? Yes, but if you think about this very long and you imagine them coming under the Messiahship of Christ and him taking on a civil role, you immediately begin to get the sense of no way they can't accept him because what he is offering them is not what they want. They want power. He thinks they have a sin problem. They don't think they have a sin problem. Come on now. They think they have a power problem. And so they want God to give them power because they're not worried about their sin. God thinks if he gives them power, they will destroy, they will turn heaven into hell. They will invert the kingdom of God if they have power. So he tries to save their soul. They're not interested in that. If you think about this long at all, you begin to have this sense of, oh my. It's not that it was impossible. It's just what we know about the human heart 
goes in opposition to ever thinking that Jesus is going to be the leader of the Sanhedrin, that he's ever going to be the one representing the house of Israel before the, the, the Romans. It goes against credulity. It goes against your sense of what could happen. Let me say it this way. Statistically, they were almost never going to accept him as king, not because of who he was, but because of who they were. But this is as close as it gets. This is as close as it gets. And although it is their best, while they are worshiping, Jesus is dealing with heartbreak. Heartbreak. Um, Luke tells the story of the moment right before this. And Jesus is approaching Jerusalem right before he gets close enough to send the disciples to get the uh, young colt of a donkey. Um, right before this moment, um, he stands before the city and the Bible says he wept over the city. He wept over the city. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how. Do you hear the wistfulness in the voice? Oh, how. I would have loved to have a different relationship with you. Can you hear mercy in this voice? All the stuff you think you know about how life should be, can you hear the love of God in this voice? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how I wish. This whole thing had worked out differently. I would have loved to have gathered you as a hen gathers her, her brood, her, the little chicks of her brood, under her wings, and there together, protected, embraced, one righteous community. But here's sovereignty kicking back. You would not. The best they ever do, the highest place they ever attain is this moment walking into the city of God where they take a palm branch. Now, in the Greco-Roman world, this palm branch is symbolic of honor and victory. Whenever conquering heroes would return from their various military expeditions, the people would meet those conquerors in their streets and they would wave palm branches as a sign of uh, blessing, honor, and uh, royalty to uh, those conquerors as they came back. And now uh, the house of Israel adopts this image that is better known in the Greco-Roman world and they wave the palms before the Lord and they cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, Where does this come from? What passage is this from? Well, uh, Psalms 118 is one of the Psalms that is a part of the intentional organized praise and worship of the house of Israel. Psalms 118 is known as one of the Hallel, H-A-L-L-E-L, Hallel Psalms that was a part of the feasts of the house of Israel. And uh, there were two particular times of corporate or community worship 
where they quote Psalms 118 as part of the service, as part of the moment. And uh, the first time is, of course, the Passover in the spring. And then they quote it again in the Festival of Tabernacles in the autumn. The faithful pilgrims sing this as one of the songs of ascent as they walk up into the mountains that surround Jerusalem. And while they sing it, walking this road in early March, late March, early April, as they, as they sing it, marching to the city of God in the temple, the sacrificial lambs are being selected. The feasts are being prepared. The corporate, organized, intentional, community-wide embrace of God, embrace of the covenant, and worship of God is being prepared. And it's this flurry of activity. And all this is happening at the temple and the pilgrims are singing Psalms 118 as they walk into the city. And they sing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Verse one, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look and triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What is this you're singing? Oh, this is one of the songs that is a part of our Passover celebration. You see, we're on our way to Jerusalem and there a lamb is going to be offered as a covering for the sin. And what you're hearing us sing is the song of praise we all sing as we walk toward the house of God. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. You see, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live. I shall recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. If you're starting to see threaded through this tapestry of beautiful language, the messianic prophecies of the ministry of Jesus Christ, if you're starting to sense in the themes of worship, which is always intended to be imagery and evocative emotion, that's praise and worship. If you see threaded through this, you're starting to understand there is no accident that as Jesus walks toward Jerusalem, the crowd enthroned 
enthroning and, and, and crowning him is quoting from Psalms 118. Uh, oh, let's see here. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I might enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. What are you guys singing? Well, see, this is part of the Passover where we celebrate redemption. We should have died in sins. The death angel came and we were there. We should have died, but there was a covering and the death angel passed us by. This is the song. We sing the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. And now you're ready for the course they sang. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, they're rejoicing, and he's wiping tears from his eyes. They're praising because it's the highest they've ever attained. It's the most perfect thing they've ever, it's still not there. But for one moment, straining and reaching and trying, they can almost accept him as king. And they sing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Remember that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. And now... That great summation, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, I want to, in conclusion here, uh, tell you something about the story I did not know. Um, I... I, when I came across this this week and study it, I, I kind of got a little bit irritated. You know, I've been preaching for 30 years. I've never preached this before, so um, it's my own fault, and I hadn't heard anyone else preach it. And I, when, I, when I saw it, I was like, really? How many times have I preached this story? Um, here, here's this, this, this moment of Scripture. Pre-Babylon Israel. Now remember, Babylon comes down, and this is known in Jewish history as the diaspora or the the, the dispersing uh, of the children of Israel. They lose their homeland, they lose their temple, they are taken away where as slaves. This is the story told in Ezekiel, uh, told in Jeremiah. Uh, our captors who had taken us captive, demanded of us a song. But how can we sing a song of praise and worship to the Lord in a strange
strange land. See how far we have fallen. This is how we get the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and the, uh, the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they say, we are not careful to answer you in this matter, O king. If we die, we're okay with that. But we are who we are. We're going to stand where we're going to stand. And that is the whole story. And the king said, stoke the fire seven times higher. Nobody can have a pity party like people in power. I declare. He's already king of the most powerful. And he's like, stoke the fire seven times hotter. We're going to really make him suffer. There is no seven times. Get out of here. And they throw him in the fire and they think they're done. And the wise men are like, whoa, something's going on here. We remember basic arithmetic. We put three in the fire, but there is a fourth man in the fire. I've come to tell somebody there's a fourth man in your trouble. There's another testimony of hope in your trial. You are not alone. Oh, I wish I had some praise in this house right now. You are not alone in your struggle, but God is with (laughs) That is the diaspora. That is where we lose the northern ten tribes of Israel. They are lost to history. They are, of course, genetically a part of the region, the world, the extended world, but they're lost to the recordings of history. Everything changed. In fact, even in the study of the people, you'll find uh, the period of the first temple and then that great diaspora and then the period of the second temple. Um, So uh, why am I saying this? In pre-Babylonian captivity, in the years before pre-Babylonian captivity, as part of the Passover celebration, the kings of Israel would go out from the city on this Sunday before the Passover, they would go out, uh, or not this, it's not an actual Sunday, it's a Sunday for us, but this day of the Jewish calendar, they would go out from the city of God, and they would be, watch, welcomed back into the city by the people of God as part of this worship Passover, this celebration, this was natural. And so they would receive back into the city as part of this preparation for Passover celebration. They would receive back into the city uh, by the people of Israel. And the people of Israel would say to them this passage from Psalms 118, part of their organized system of celebration, part of their feast celebration, community-defining event where the king comes back into the city and they quote this to the king. They quote this to the king and they say to the king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as to remind the whole house of Israel that the place of the king was ordained by God and the king acted as a representative in the order of the house to the people and they would say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and the people would say to the king, what? We bless you from the house of the Lord. You have your place. We have our place. We bless you. The Lord is God. 
and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. This is every year. And I I came across this and it moved me in my spirit because I recognize something that is true about me. It's true about you. I wish it wasn't, but it's who we are. And that is this reality that we live in this range of possibility. None of us are all spiritual all of the time. None of us are all carnal all of the time. At least if you're trying, you shouldn't be. But we live in this range of sometimes I'm doing better. And if I just could find the grit, the strength of character, I might even could do better than I'm doing. And the future person I become would be the summation of all these decisions I made. I could have a greater impact upon a world, upon a people I care about if I could could define, if I could submit, if I could proclaim, if I could call upon the name of the Lord now. Uh, the truth is I'm living in this, this mix of possibilities. Musicians, you could come. The truth is this week you live out this range of possible futures. None of us are all one thing. And we live in this possibility. The thing I missed about the children of Israel saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Is that in the celebrations of their covenant history, when the king came back into the city and they received him as king again, this is what I missed. It, was, it wasn't once and done, but every year on the Passover, they come back and they receive again the king coming in to the city and they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And another year passes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We receive you from the house of the Lord. And another year passes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We receive you from the house of the Lord. Do you know how we live our lives? Remember, none of us are all one thing. No matter how long you've been serving of God, there's a good chance you've had a bad day here and there. What do you do on the other side of a bad day? What do you do on the other side of a bad season? What do you do when you've kind of made a bit of a mess? Let me tell you what you do. You receive your king once again into your life. It's not just once. It's not just once. It's year after year. It's week after week. It's Sunday after Sunday. I'm aware that I can do good and I can do bad. So on this Sunday, I receive the Lord as king into my life. And I say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Remember the range of our lives? You did good, you didn't do so good. You said no, you didn't say no. You were doing good and then you went on that business trip. Oh, it's quiet now. 
you had three solid weeks and then you had a rough weekend. What do you do? This is what you do. Step back into the blessed redemptive promise of a sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb, and stand in the promise that he is your righteousness and he is your covering and you're never going to be good enough. But in the presence of God, you say again and again and again and again, I choose you. I choose you. I had a rough week. I choose you. I said some stuff I probably shouldn't have said. I said that to y'all because I just know I'm led by the Spirit over here. And there's some suckers over here who need to receive this. You know what I'm saying? Don't let my finger be a guide or anything. I said some stuff I shouldn't have said. So say it with me. Y'all want to say it with me? Lift your hands. I choose you. I was doing good, but then my cousin said that about me. I thought it was over, but my cousin said it, and it came back up, and I couldn't keep silent, and I popped off. Some of you guys are like, which cousin? We can't wait to know. I'm just making this up for your listening pleasure. I said some things. It was a good relationship. Now it's a mess. I lost my testimony. See what I'm saying? Now what? Bring the king back into the city. And as the king comes, you say, I choose you. Hosanna. Stand with me. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, you see every heart that's here today. There's people here who need to repent and they need to turn back to you. I'm praying that they would not feel alone in their pew, but I'm praying that they would feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't let us leave unstirred, unaffected, unchanged. But let the word of God powerfully embrace us, bringing about a spiritual purpose that would surprise even our own, the past version of ourselves. We're not stuck, we choose. We're not trapped, we choose. We don't even get to blame the devil because the devil can't make you do it. We choose you, oh God. And we're here to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're here to celebrate the angel that said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We are here to celebrate the testimony, good tidings, peace to men. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior we know that it's natural for the human heart to reject you. But we stand in this praise service and we say that we choose you. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If any of you feel this way, I'd like you to step out of the chair that you're in right now. I'd like you to come as close as you can. I'd like you to lift your hands as you come. And I'd like you to simply tell the Lord, Lord, I choose you. 
I choose you. I'm far from perfect, oh God. I'm filled with mistakes and errors, but I choose you. I've done a dozen dumb things, but I choose you, oh God. I made 101 bad decisions, but I choose you. Oh Lord Jesus. This altar's open right now, guys. This is your time. We're gonna go into a prayer service right now. I want all who will to join this moment of prayer, of choosing the anointing, the power, the blessing of God here in this house. In Jesus' name we pray, oh Lord God. listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.